Hello and welcome back to another episode of Shaw Talk. I'm your host, Kale Shaw. I wanted to start today by saying this is the first of a series of book reviews. It's summer, school's out, I have a lot more free time to read books that I want to read instead of textbooks. So I plan on kind of reading a lot more and giving a book review after every time I read. Because all the books that I read are inherently political, so it's relevant. So the first book that I read this summer, finished in a couple days, is Michael Fanone, Michael Fanone's Hold the Line. Now, I listened to the audiobook for this because I w- it was during packing. I was like packing up my room, sending it home, and whatever else. So now I'm in Columbus, and thankfully I had a couple hour car drive to listen to this, to this audiobook, and let me tell you, hearing all of this in his own words for the upteenth time still hasn't changed the effect that it has on me. There were multiple times when reading this where I got straight up goosebumps, where I got chills, and I was happy that the audiobook was read by Officer Fanon. Now, if you don't know who Officer Fanon is, Michael Fanon, he is the DC Metro cop who was pulled out of the South Tunnel, I believe it was the South Tunnel, um, on the cap on Capitol Hill on January 6th, 2021. And he was beaten relentlessly to the point where he suffered a heart attack. And he claims, and there's body camera footage to back this up, but he claims that the only reason why he didn't die on that day, the only reason why the mob didn't kill him, is because he said, I have kids, I have kids. And he even says in his book, if he didn't have kids, he would have still he still would have said that. Because I mean, I would. If I was in that situation, I certainly would. But that being said, I'm going to start digging into this book just a little more. I'm going to leave it very vague, though, to kind of entice you into reading it. So let's start. So it, it starts off with kind of a, a summary of his life up until this point, specifically his involvement in the police force. So he's he sounds like a redneck. He's got kind of this this accent and he claims to be a redneck he claims to be a hick but he he he's like a new england east coast redneck so he does a lot of like crab fishing he goes to he he lives in maryland he bounces back and forth between maryland and virginia he owns hunting property in west virginia and he he tells the story of his tattoos the spider tattoo the spider tattoo on his neck it, it just all leads up to his time as a police officer, where he developed relationships with people that he never thought he would. Um, as a lifelong Republican, he learned through his time on the streets as an undercover cop, as as somebody who, he, he called himself a plainclothes cop, but as an undercover cop, somebody who would try to keep the streets safe through unconventional means, I guess. Um, but he talks about his relationship with certain people, and how through these relationships and through his time on the street, he was able to understand that there are systemic issues in the justice system and in the policing system that disproportionately affect Black, African-American, Latinx people, um, especially in our major cities. 
like I said, he's a DC cop. He, he he's done a lot for the city. He works in the he's worked he bounced back and forth between working on Capitol Hill and then working in the DC Metro Force and so on and so forth. But it's refreshing hearing from a Republican, hearing somebody who has an accent like he does. It's refreshing hearing somebody like that say things that he, he felt sympathy for Black Lives Matter protesters. He repeatedly calls um, the officer, Derek Chauvin, that killed George Floyd a murderer. He regularly talks about holding police officers accountable. He talks about just a number of things that is refreshing to hear because it should be something that is agreed upon by all people. It's hard as somebody like me and as people like Policy Wonk to, it's hard for us to understand how people can just be so ignorant. Like there is systemic issues. There are issues that disproportionately affect communities of like minority communities and it's refreshing hearing an officer like michael fanone saying these things it's refreshing to hear these so moving on it builds up to i guess the climax january 6 2021 he was at home when he saw on the tv that the seat of our nation's cap capital, the hallowed halls of democracy, if you would. Sorry, I was about to sneeze. Was under attack. And he took it upon himself to put on a uniform, to grab a body camera, and to get to the capital because he saw the images on TV. So he gets there, and he's talking about the mass of people and how it's something he's never seen before. In all his time, all his years on the service, there's nothing like what he's seen before. And then he gets to the point where he was dragged out into the crowd, where they're yelling, kill him, specifically kill him with his own gun. And he claims that that's something that police officers never want to hear. And I mean, honestly... I, I see why. That's crazy. Nobody who owns a gun wants to hear that. Kill them with their own gun. But we've, get, we've gotten into the gun argument multiple times. I'm going to stick to the book. But he hears things like kill him with his own gun. He gets beaten on the shoulder by a thin blue line flag. Which, how ironic. And these are all things that there's videos to back this up. There's his body camera footage. There's videos that the idiots in the crowd took of this happening. And the, the craziest thing is he was tased three times. And he still has scars on his back to this day. And that's what sent him into cardiac arrest. And he was fortunately taken out of the crowd because he was, like I said, he was saying, I have kids, I have kids. They took him out of the crowd, got him back inside the Capitol, and they were able to bring him back to consciousness and, and so on and so forth. And I heard these things. We've heard these things. We heard his testimony through the January 6th committee. 
he's been on TV a million times, but it still gives you chills hearing this, especially in his own words. It's a whole different feeling than like what I'm doing right now. Sure, it's terrible. But if he said what I'm saying right now, it would feel worse. It would feel different. He was lucky to have other capital officers there who were willing to help him. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just sneezed. It was so bad. It was terrible. But we're back into it. He was lucky to have officers there. If he was alone, he probably would have died. He would have been deceased. And he talks about how that day ended and so on and so forth. But the back third of the book is about his interaction with lawmakers across the country, whether they're the mayor of D.C., the uh, Republicans in Congress, Democrats in Congress, Senators, S Joe Biden even, uh, city council members in D.C. You get the point. But he talks to all these people and he, he highlights specific relationships that he had, good and bad. He cites Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham, who said you should have shot them all in the head. Which is insane. He cites his relationship with Kevin McCarthy, where McCarthy kind of just washed his hands of any issues with the rest of the Republican caucus who refuses to act like these people were heroes. These are the same people who back the blue, but they don't support these officers because their constituents were the ones committing an act of terror in D.C. on that day. So he talks about how different Republicans who didn't vote to give a congressional gold medal to the D.C. cops that were still alive, because a number of them lost their lives to that point. And he took it upon himself. He, he saw his, his individual lobbying as a, quote, continuation of his service on January 6th. He considers it his duty to continue advocating for at least recognition. And that's something that he didn't get from a number of Republicans in the Senate, a number of Republicans in the House, the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, and a number of other people, including the police union, the Fraternal Order of Police. He also talks about his relationship with Eric Swalwell, Nancy Pelosi, and other Democrats who continue to reach out to him. He does talk about how some politicians reaching out to him seemed kind of disingenuous and that it was more of a like photo op or um, it just did it because it's the right thing to do. But he highlights Eric Swalwell and Nancy Pelosi as two people who seem to be genuinely interested in his mental health, his well-being, and his advocacy efforts 
following January 6th. Uh, he says that to this day, Nancy Pelosi still calls him and checks up on him and things like that. So, he also goes into detail um, about his relationship with the Fraternal Order of Police, which I already mentioned, um, in that it's bad. That he's gotten into multiple arguments with union leadership uh, about just simply recognizing the officers who fought on January 6th. Um, it, it's an ongoing fight. He's probably still on Capitol Hill advocating for what he believes is right, and honestly, he is right. The cops that fought on Capitol Hill that day are heroes. They stood in defiance against people who they probably agreed with. They, they probably voted for Trump. A lot of them probably did vote for Donald Trump in 2020. Some of them might have even believed the big lie, but they did what they had to do to protect the seat of American democracy and to uphold our democratic, democratic tradition of the peaceful transition of power. And that's admirable. So I want to leave it there. Probably. Um, it's a great book. Very short book review. Uh, this is roughly how long I want them to be. But it's an amazing book. I really hope you get the chance to read it. Uh, I feel like it would be doing Officer Fanon right. I feel like it honors the officers who have, who died um, in the wake of January 6th. I believe that it's a good way to, I guess, never forget. Um, the terrible events that happened on that day. So it's a great book. One, at one point I did cry, which never has happened to me when I'm reading a book. I've never once cried while reading a book. So um, I, I do encourage you to listen to the audiobook if you do get the chance. It, it's more impactful. Um, so all that being said, I'm going to sign off. Please, please, please read this book. It is amazing. Hopefully we'll get more of these book reviews coming every couple of weeks, maybe? Um, just to give me some time to read. So, I do hope that you enjoyed this. I do hope that um, you read the book. And you know what? I hope that Michael Fanon sees this. I hope he hears what we have to say about his book. And I hope he comes on the show. So, Officer Fanon, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, Please, 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 please be on our podcast. It would be a very small platform, but it would be a platform. But all that being said, this has been Shaw Talks Politics, a book review of Hold the Line by Michael Fanone. And I'm your host, Kale, signing off.